And now, live, it's time. Carr will go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts middle, walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with uh, Seth all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. It's the handoff. Bust toward the end. Jackpot, baby. Pinion Drake takes it home. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you today on a fabulous, gorgeous Wednesday, November 17th of 2021, as the Raiders get set to host the Bengals on Sunday. And we'll have our coverage here on the flagship Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by PT's Taverns. And that's how you should start your happy hour. 50% off drinks, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, drive responsibly all the time, as we always bring that up. But you know, PT's gets us going every day. Right at noon, they've been with me the longest. I love going there for lunch. I love going there to watch sports. I go to the SG bar at the top of 215 on Flamingo. And a lot of my buddies love to go there to watch the Vegas-born Vegas Golden Knights, who had a loss last night against a very good, very good Carolina team. And they lose at home. And we'll get back into some hockey. But as my wife told me today, I'm a little bit cranky. And I, I don't like to be cranky on the radio, but that's my life. I have two different lives. If you know me, I have my life off the radio, which most people enjoy. And then I have my life on radio, which seems to be a little bit more intense, a little bit more focused, a little bit more angry at times, a little bit more pushing and shoving. I get it. That's why I try to separate it all. I'm not the guy I am on radio. I'm different in real life, but I think it joins. It joins forces when I feel like there's a must win. When there's a must win... My life on the radio becomes my life in real life. So I'm a little bit on edge this week. I'm a little bit wound up. I don't sleep good on Tuesday night because I have to get COVID tested on Wednesday. I did. I passed again, which isn't a miracle, but I went to Sting, and I went to the Cosmo, and I went to a bunch of bars over the weekend because I had a lot of friends in town. And, you know, you you walk around this town in Vegas, you know, you take a COVID test every week, and you're saying to yourself, hey, I feel great. But I hope I'm okay. And that's what football players are saying now is COVID numbers are starting to spike. And there are issues around the league as they're going to be able to be a little bit more stringent over the holiday season with COVID as players are about to get together with their families. Now, the Raiders on Thanksgiving will be in Dallas away from their families. But you know what I'm getting at. Most teams around here will be with their families over the holidays. And you don't know if your family, if all your family members are vaccinated or not. And the league is on edge here a little bit. Ben Roethlisberger waiting to get through protocol. Another big decision for the Raider Nation. Raiders beat Big Ben in Pittsburgh. Now the Raiders need Big Ben to go into L.A. and beat Justin Herbert. And if he doesn't play, Chargers are going to have no problem walking through that game, just like Kansas City won an easy game because Aaron Rodgers wasn't available because he actually failed the COVID test and he wasn't vaccinated and he had to sit out. It wasn't about him testing negative. He had to follow the protocol there. And also an issue with Joey Bosa with the Chargers. So that's a topic we're going to talk about. I was into that last night because Kyrie Irving didn't play. And we talk a lot of basketball on this show, a lot, coming up here halfway through the season. And Kyrie didn't play because he's not vaccinated, and the Warriors went in there and boat raced him, steamrolled him. And actually, Brooklyn fans were rooting for Steph Curry who had a special night. It was one of those bizarre things that you never want to be a part of when you're rooting for the opponent 
I mean, listen to Steph Curry. You got to hear these sound bites here. It's remarkable in sports because we know Kansas City fans were here. So when Kansas City scored, you're going to hear a, a loud roar from Kansas City fans. But there weren't a lot of Golden State Warrior fans in Brooklyn last night. Some of them. And they were going off for this guy, Steph Curry. Lee flashes by. Curry straight. Pump fake. Fly by. Three ball. Oh, got it. There are no words, Jim. There are oh. no words. They were chanting MVP for him last night. Could you imagine Raider fans chanting MVP for Mahomes? It would never happen. The fans that were there for Kansas City would do it, but it wouldn't happen. So I tied that into the opening here as we get going, and a couple of things are happening. Yesterday I was really hard on the team from a coaching perspective. We took a lot of calls from fans yesterday about what do the coaches need to do to light a fire under this team and to get them to play better. And I think that's really important that they do that as I take a couple of uh, a look at a couple of the stats that are going to come here in the opening monologue, I'm just I'm thinking that it's a desperate time. It's a really desperate time because the players aren't playing well, and I think it's the job of the players to step up, and they're probably going to have to step up because they get hammered by the coaches all week to play better. They're going to get hammered by the coaches because the coaches have to do this if they want to keep their jobs long-term. We all know what the elephant in the room is. You have a GM who I think has done a good job bringing in outside players, especially in free agency, but the draft, one of them was a disaster of epic proportion, one of the worst drafts in NFL history because of tragedy and a lot of mistakes. It wasn't Mike Mayock's fault. They vetted the players. They didn't know what was going to happen to Henry Ruggs. They didn't know certain things that were going to happen there. But there were mistakes made. And then you look at some of the free agents. I think the free agents and some of the players that came in as veterans are really saving and bailing out the Raiders and making them a competitive team. But from the changes in the front office, the changes that could happen on the football side, I'm looking for a sense of urgency. And I think the sense of urgency starts to happen and has to happen on their flagship radio station. See, the way this station was built and the way it's run is so much better than the way it was done in the Bay Area. I was a part of it. And in the Bay Area, they didn't want the Raiders to win. They weren't a partner. They didn't care about the Raiders. They cared about the Niners, the Giants, the Warriors. They didn't care about the A's and the Raiders. And I got thrown right in the middle of that. And then how do you think I felt when I was up there staying at the W Hotel and they found out that the Raiders were moving to Vegas? That was an interesting day when I walked into the flagship that day. It looked like they were looking at me like I was moving the team. Really, I, I would bring up that, that, that story. I'm not exaggerating at all. There were some idiots up there, and they looked at me like, really? Like I had something to do with it. And I had to deal with that. It was hard to do radio like that because anybody who knows me knows I loved Oakland. I wanted them to stay in Oakland. and no intention, even though I lived in Vegas most of the entire time. A lot of people didn't even know that. They'd see me in the parking lot at the Black Hole, and they thought I lived up there, like in Walnut Creek. No, I lived in Vegas. Then they come to Vegas, and we lose the first year. We lose the first year because you know, they're 2-6 and six at home, and there's COVID. And then this year, the Raiders are 3-2 and two at home. It's been really exciting. There's been some good football at home, but there's been a large amount of opposing fans coming in. And the Raiders now are starting to play their worst football at the most inopportune time. So everybody's a little on edge. And I think that's good for the radio station here. I think it's good because it brings out passionate callers. It brings out a sense of urgency. 
And it does what radio is supposed to do. Sports radio is supposed to be a chapter in your life, something that's in your life every day, no matter who you listen to, your favorite host, your favorite show, whatever it is. And it's supposed to bring you know, some consistency in your life. And that's what I think I do. I bring consistency on the show. We got Tim Brown on today. You know, we, had the, we get the best guests. We have the coach. We have all that. Hopefully it brings some consistency in your life when you listen to the show. But it hasn't been that consistent here over the last week or two or three because of the John, e, uh, John Gruden emails, the Henry Ruggs III tragedy with Tina Tintor and the fatality car accident, Damon Arnett acting like a thug on the Internet, and then they lose two games in a row. Wow. I mean, that is like the definition in the dictionary of unravel. If you look at unravel in the dictionary, it's that. So what can we all do to stop the unraveling here? Well, we can't do much. We don't play. We're not, at, we're not inside the meeting rooms. But what we can do together is come together as a fan base here and either kick them in the ass on the radio in a respectful way, get behind the team and encourage them, and that's up to you. I can't control that. I just run the show, and I go to the calls that are waiting for me. 702-365-9200. So today when I woke up and got back from the Raider facility, I started crunching some numbers. And a couple of things that I wanted to bring up here as we go into this weekend. First off, we got to go back to the Eagles game when the Raiders scored 30 unanswered points in that game in the second and third quarter. In the second quarter, they scored 17 points. In the third quarter, they scored 13 points. Added up, it was 30 unanswered. But I remember on the postgame show with Eric Allen, because Eric played for the Eagles and he had a lot of family in town, I remember the Raiders didn't show up in the fourth quarter. Do you remember that? The Raiders scored four points in the fourth quarter against the Eagles, and that's when the unraveling began. In my opinion, that's where we missed it, and we weren't paying attention, and I figured it out this morning as I was prepping for the show. Because since the fourth quarter against the Eagles, in the next eight quarters, the Raiders haven't scored more than seven points in a quarter, and they've been shut out three of the eight quarters. So let's go through that again. Three points in the fourth quarter against the Eagles, and they play the Giants. And against the Giants, they go out and score seven, six in the second quarter, three in the third, zero in the fourth. Then they come home and play Kansas City. They score zero points in the first quarter, seven in the second, seven in the third, and zero in the fourth quarter. So instead of talking about eight quarters, We're talking about nine quarters where this team hasn't shown up on offense. you got to be kidding me. This time of year? This time of year against a giant team they should have beat, and then their biggest rival at home, Kansas City, and the last eight quarters and the final quarter against the Eagles, something happened. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's the players. It's probably the opponent and the opponent doing a nice job and going out there and doing their job and stopping the team and scheming the Raiders. But this has been going on for nine quarters, everybody. Nine quarters of some pretty mediocre to below average football. So whatever they're doing, and we talked about it yesterday with Coach Flores, what they're doing right, they got to build on that. What they're doing wrong, they got to fix it quickly. And the problem is the Raiders now don't run the ball. 
They only run it for 85 yards a game. That is not good. And they throw the ball well. That's really what they do. They put up yards in the passing game, and they got to get back to that. Derek Carr's got 15 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's nothing special. I got the stats of the other quarterbacks in the league and what they're doing. Uh, They're doing more. Joe Burrow has 20 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. He turns it over a little bit more. Cincinnati scores 26.2 points a game. The Raider defense gives up 25.6. So on average, the Raiders give up 26 and the Bengals score 26. So put that 26 number in your head. The Raiders score 23.3 and the Bengals give up 23. So you don't have to be a math major and you wouldn't be shocked if the final score was Cincinnati 26 and the Raiders 23 because that's what the stats are showing you there. Raiders put up more total yards, almost 400 a game, 399 to the Bengals, 381. And the Bengals' rushing defense holds opponents to 100 yards a game. The Raiders' rushing defense has given up 130 yards a game, which isn't very good. Raiders are better on defense against the pass because Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby get all those quarterback pressures. So those are some of the stats that we'll use on the pregame show coming up on Sunday. But they're a little bit concerning to me about what we've seen in the last nine quarters. The last nine quarters, this has been a failure of this football team to be competitive and to play with energy and to play their best football. Now, who believes today that the Raiders can play their best football? That's what I want the topic to be. I want today for the next hour and 40 minutes as we have Tim Brown, the Hall of Famer, at the bottom of the hour. We have Steph McKenzie. The Queen of the Raider Nation coming up a little bit later on. And Bill Williamson, who does a great job from SB Nation, a good Raider insider. We're going to talk about what the Raiders need to do to play their best football. Can they play their best football? I'm not very confident with the offense. I'm not down on the offense. I'm I'm just not very confident. As I told you yesterday, Darren Waller only has two touchdown catches this year, which is mind-blowing. I mean, like mind-popping, mind-blowing. And they have to improve on that with Darren Waller. But every time we do a radio show mentioning that Darren Waller should get the football ball, ball, ball more and, and get more targets, it falls on deaf ears. It hasn't happened. So everybody, I watched a fantasy show today. I don't watch fantasy much, but it was on ESPN, and they were doing a fantasy thing on some of the tight ends and where Waller has dropped off, and it was all about the targets. So if the fantasy guys are talking about it on ESPN in Bristol, Don't you think that the coaching staff of the Bengals knows this? So these are problems right now that the Raiders have to do and they have to make adjustments. So what we're going to do today is talk about how to get the offense going. Tim Brown will join us in about 15 minutes. I'll ask him that directly. And then we'll take your calls on this at 702-365-9200. Best local calls here. Got a $50 Grimaldi gift card to give away. And I'm really serious about this. I want to know how this offense gets going again. And it's not easy because they don't run it. The offensive line hasn't played well. Waller can't get open or they're not throwing it to him. And Derek's coming off two below average games. So unless you want to put these guys back in the hot tub time machine and bring them back to the second and third quarter against the Eagles, I don't know if I have the answer for you. I got some strong opinions. But the only thing that I've said to you for the last two weeks is play up tempo. Everybody else seems to be talking. We talk about, talked about that on a golf cart with Fred Bolitnikoff. 
over the weekend. I've talked about it with Charles Woodson. I've talked about it with some fans. Play up-tempo. Play up-tempo. Now, you can play up-tempo against Cincinnati because if you go three and out quickly, unfortunately, you're not giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. But Joe Burrow's had some big games, big quarters this year. But Joe Burrow's been turning the ball over at the line of scrimmage a little bit, and he's been making bad reads early, and he's been throwing some interceptions and turning it over. So I think the key to this game is to get Derek Carr more possessions than Joe Burrow. So what you got to do is you got to get more first downs. You have to have sustained drives. The defense has got to get off the field. But Derek Carr has got to play faster. And the way that Derek Carr has to play faster is he must be instructed by Rich Basaccia and instructed by Greg Olson and Johnny Morton, two really good offensive minds with a lot of experience. And they have to tell Derek that Derek doesn't have any options in this game. Derek's had a really solid career so far. But now it's time for Derek to put a franchise on his back and play at an elite level. And if he's going to do that, I think he has to play fast. He has to play free. He has to take all the adjustments out. He has to forget about changing the play. He's got to get out of the cuddle quickly. The coach has got to get him to play quicker. And then Derek's got to go to the line with two plays. And it shouldn't be hard to think Darren Waller's going to get one of them and the second one's going to go to the receiver on a second or third look who's open. So I'm demanding, I'm demanding that Derek Carr play faster in this game. I mean, from the time he comes out of the tunnel and he gets the first possession of the game, give it to Derek in a no-huddle, four-wide spread. Alec Ingold isn't there. That is not a blessing in disguise. Alec Ingold's a really good player. But what happens is a lot of times when Alec is in the game, it's captain obvious that the Raiders are going to run the ball up the middle. Now without Alec, you can bring in Kenyon Drake or Josh Jacobs in a single bat set and that those guys can either chip block, they can pass protect, or they can run a short screen route, and then Derek will have five receivers in the pattern, and the ball has to come out quickly. And look, if he dinks and dunks and he gets the ball out quickly, but they're picking up first downs, I'm fine with that. Because we all know that we don't know if the Raiders can attack downfield anymore. The loss of Henry Ruggs III has clearly gotten in the head of this offense where they believe they can even attempt to throw it downfield. So Deshaun Jackson was brought in to make it easier at least to throw the ball deep downfield. And Derek and Deshaun hit on a nice pass before the ball got knocked out. And that was a big fumble and changed the momentum of the game. So those are just my thoughts as we open up the show. Today I'm specifically asking the best calls of the Raider Nation who come into this show. Tell me how you would light a fire under this offense's ass. What would you specifically do? specifically do, and I'm looking for specifics. I got my pen out to get this offense going in the first quarter because you're the fans paying for these prices and you want to see this team wake up and you want to see a better entertaining product at home at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. 702-365-9200. Show started 19 minutes ago. Let's get the show started, please. Sean in Tennessee. Thanks for checking in, Sean, on the Raiders mobile app. Oh, yeah, thanks for answering my call. Uh, I just wanted to say from yesterday, um, because I listened the day after, uh, Raider, I speak for all of Raider Nation whenever we say that all of you guys sound ridiculous when blaming everyone else except the lack of talent on the roster. When Gruden was here, 
and excuses after excuses from him and from all of you. And now it's all about the coaching needs to do this, and the coaching staff needs to do this, and the coaching staff needs to do that. How about we just look at the roster and say there's not very much talent? Please don't hang up. I can't hear, so thank you. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think the roster is an elite roster. I think there's good players on the team. I think they got some really good players led by Max Crosby, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. They have outstanding special teams. I don't think the roster's dead. I just think that the team needs to be tweaked to play better on game day. The roster is what it is. Mike Mayock did a pretty good job at bringing in Denzel Perryman and bringing in Deshaun Jackson under a sense of distress after the Ruggs uh, problem and what happened there and that tragedy. So the organization has made adjustments throughout the year to try to bring in players when other players can't get healthy like Trayvon Mullen and Richie Incognito. But if you want to be critical of the roster, I have no problem with that. That's part of Mike Mayock's job and John Gruden before that. They know that they've swung and missed on some of the players, especially the draft picks. I have no problem with that. So that's all I'm telling you. I mean, it's, a, it's an important phone call if you think that we're being too critical. I don't think we're being critical at all. I think what we're trying to do is figure out how to get this team going. Because if we don't, then why do we even have a sports radio show? What are we doing? What do you want to do? You want me to read out raffle tickets every day? You want me to give away free Modellos? What do you want me to do? I mean, we're trying to do a talk show here. We're trying to get people to talk about the football team and how to make them better with interviews and analysis, stats, and fans. You know, if you want to just sit here and say, wait till next year, go bleep and find another show. I've dealt with Raider quitter after quitter on social media who has a picture of themselves in a Raider jersey saying how miserable they are and how much they don't like the team. Get out of the way. Let the people who want to win, let them in until we get to a point where it's too late. There's no more winning available. They're out of the playoffs. Last year, what was interesting last year went right down to the wire. The Raiders had that really big swoon. They fell apart late, you know, and they were a 500 team. They were two games away from making the playoffs right down to the end of the season. The Miami game where Ryan Fitzpatrick had his helmet ripped off and threw that miracle pass. Uh, the Atlanta game where the Raiders folded. You know, there was a, there was a lot of talk about the Raiders the second half of the year doing something special because they were right in the hunt. And what I'm trying to preach here on the radio today is that if the Raiders win to go to 6-4, and four, and even if they lose to the Cowboys and they're 6-5 and five, coming off a Cowboy bye week because of Thanksgiving, the Raiders could get to 7-5 and five and be right there. But if they lose to Cincinnati and they lose to Dallas back and forth, I'll be plugging in NBA insiders. I'll be talking Golden Knights more and more. I'll be doing my job with the Raiders. I'll be knocking it out of the park. We'll interview alumni and all that. But I know what's at stake here. I've done this show before. And the first four years I did the show, they were going to the playoffs in the Super Bowl. So I, I know where the slippery slope is. I know where the cliff is. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm in the passenger seat and the, and the car's going towards the cliff and I'm trying to dive over and hit the brakes from the passenger seat. That's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying my best to do that because I think they actually can beat Cincinnati. Uh, Trina in the Inland Empire, what's happening? Thanks for calling in. I was calling in because I, I do. I, you know, you are consistent and with saying, like, a lot of these Raider fans are jumping ship already. And it's like there's still so much more football. Eight games. There's still more eight more games. And you can't push your team. I mean, 
you know, when everybody, everyone starts saying, oh, you know, we got to get a new coach. We got to get a new coach. Jack Del Rio, they're like, when he started losing, oh, he's got to go. As soon as Chucky leaves, oh, we need Jack Del Rio back. It's like, you know, it's, they don't know what they want. And we got to win. Uh, that's all it is. We got to win. These Raiders need to it, no huddle, no huddle and go out there and shove it down their throat and show Cincinnati, we are here. We're going to beat you and we're going to go over you into Dallas and beat them too. That's yeah, I, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. And look, again, you know, for those who think I have pom-poms, I walk around my house with pom-poms on, think whatever the hell you want. Been doing this 23 years uninterrupted. And I, I know when I know when the team's playing well. I know when they're playing average, below average, and they're really bad. I don't think they're below average or really bad. They're playing average. They could be a better team. They were really good at 5-2. and two, And now they've had a lot of distractions, a lot of problems. They're not themselves. And they got to light a fire. And they got to beat Cincinnati. And I think they can beat Cincinnati. I really do. And if not, you can find me on the post-game show. And then you can find me Thursday, Thanksgiving Day at M Resort. Spawn Casino, where we'll host the pre and post on Thanksgiving Day. To me, this is a sense of urgency from today to Thanksgiving Day on what the Raiders are going to do to save the season. Can they do it? We can only tell by watching what we see and hope that the coaches and the players understand this, and I believe they do. We're brought to you by Bills Happen, so when you need extra cash, go to BillsHappen.com. I have people calling me and texting me saying this has been an unbelievable experience. You're in between paychecks. The holidays are coming up. Your credit cards are maxed out. Don't be ashamed by that. Some people have bad credit, and they're building it up again. You can get $5,000 cash as early as tomorrow. Go to BillsHappen.com. They're Raider fans. BillsHappen.com. They'll help you secure that money in the short term. BillsHappen.com. Oakland Raider wide receiver Tim Brown. Remember that promo back in the day? I'm sure a few of you do. Uh, Timmy spent a lot of time with him this past week, and he was in for Charles Woodson's Hall of Fame ring ceremony. We'll talk to him about that, go around the league, and the sense of urgency that needs to happen for the Raiders next. Yeah, I thought we had them cleaned up in practice. We've been pretty good in practice, and we've um, had consequences for when they weren't. So, But we got ourselves in critical situations. We had the fourth and one, which we've been pretty good on the last few weeks, and we get the penalty. Now we have to punt the ball. And I think the other one you know, cost us a touchdown. We ended up getting a hold on one. We had another pre-snap one, um, that part of the game. So it, it, just, it was untimely, as people may say, but they're just really critical spots for us. And when we play a game going like that we were going into with Kansas City, we know they're an explosive team. We had to really play all well. We had to play well in all three phases. Don't think that we did that. You know, we gave up plays in all three phases that put us in bad situations. Um, so I think it's on all of us. We'll, we'll figure that out. And, and uh, but the penalties, we just have to do a better job. That's a good soundbite by Rich Basaccia. They He said they had a great week of practice. They did have a great week of practice, and you know they didn't play well in all three phases of the game. And it's a shame they played so poorly against Kansas City because that game meant first place, and it's a rivalry game at home, and it's national television. So it was actually a worst-case scenario. The place for every Raiders road game is the Remy Martin Lounge inside the Raiders Tavern and Grill at M Resort. Get there two hours before kickoff of the pregame and stay with us for the postgame show 
for great drink specials and prizes from our friends at Remy Martin. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. So you would assume the Raiders come back and they have a good practice today. Uh, Coach Passaccia loves Wednesdays because they get padded practices. They're trying to get players back healthy, and they're trying to perform at a high level. They really are. They're trying to perform at a very high level, but excuses die. The record stands. They have got to jump in and play a great game, period. And they got to be fast, and they got to score on offense early because the one trend that we've seen, even if the defense is getting a pass rush, even if the defense gets off the field, they're not scoring early in the game. The game is always full of pressure because they're not starting fast enough. When you start fast enough, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. This team hasn't played well since the fourth quarter against the Eagles where they scored three points, and then since then they haven't had more than seven points in any quarter, and they've been shut out three quarters in their last eight. As I bring in the legendary Hall of Famer Raider wide receiver Tim Brown, Timmy, it was great to see you again for the Charles Woodson ring ceremony with your wife. Uh, It was a great weekend other than the game, the outcome against Kansas City. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, that was was hard to take, man. No doubt about it. Yeah, Tim, what did you expect to see, and then what did you see? Because Mahomes ran all the plays that he used to run against the Raiders, and this time he ran them to get out of a slump. And you're an analyst also for SiriusXM. It seems like they just went back to their basics of Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Mahomes, and they tore the Raiders up. Yeah, you know, one of the things that um, uh, Mahomes was being criticized for was trying to look for the big play too much. And I think if, I think versus the Raiders, what they decided to do was take those five, seven, eight, nine, ten-yard passes over, um, you know, in, 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 in first and second down and put the Raiders in a real problem as far as trying to uh, stop them. So, I mean, it was it was simple, basic football for them, and uh, it worked uh, obviously for us <laughs> to perfection. Tim Brown joins us. Tim, on Raiders teams that you've been on in the past, if you went through a bit of a slump or the team wasn't right, what did you do in pro- uh, practice to increase the tempo? Because everybody seems to be on the same page that this team's got to play faster. Maybe Derek in a no huddle. Maybe run a couple of plays. Get Waller going again. What do you think they have to do to beat Cincinnati? Yeah, you know, I, I think when you look at what they did in the second half, they really came out, they were pretty aggressive about their play calling, and they went right down the field and scored a touchdown. You know, and I, I think sometimes, you know, you want to be ball control, you want to be able to do that. That's fine if you can run the ball and be effective, you know. But the problem is our running game is not effective enough at this point to be able to be ball control like that. So we're going to have to be in these shootouts, or we're going to have to – you know, uh, control the ball by throwing little short passes, little flare-outs flare and things of that nature, because right now we can't run the ball consistent, consistently enough to be able to control the clock that way. Tim Brown is our guest, the Hall of Famer. So, Tim, uh, I'm sure you support the move of bringing in Deshaun Jackson after the Ruggs tragedy just to have a safety over the top. I mean, you played alongside Jerry Rice and a lot of great receivers. Can you talk about when your side on a play opens up a little bit more because you were double teamed a lot and it opened it up for other wide receivers. Now Deshaun Jackson has got to bring that deep safety over the top. So maybe it opens it up for Waller again because Waller hasn't been going well the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I mean, Waller definitely needs to get going, man. He is too big of a threat out there. And, and too, there's such a, a disadvantage, a mismatch, I should say, when when he is going up against anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. And uh, not that you want to force the ball to him, but you you got to get him going and make people think about him. And then that's going to make the game easier for everybody else. But right now, you know, we're getting everybody else going and they're trying to come to him, and that's, that's not working out. But, you know, I, I think Deshaun, man, is going to be great for us. You know, his speed and his ability to go over the top and do the things that he can do. I mean, we saw that he's, you know, he could make it happen. I mean, obviously that was a freak play. And uh, I was telling somebody, I said, you know, I, I wish I could talk to him and just tell him, man, look, relax, bro. Don't try and make play. Run out of bounds on that play. Fall down or whatever. Because you made, you made the play, right? right? I mean, anything on top of that is, is gravy. So, um, you know, later in your career, man, you, you, you have this thing where you try and force you know, you try to do things that you didn't normally do in your career because you want to show people you can still do it. And uh, I just hope he doesn't get caught up in that, man. You know, obviously the guy can still play this game at a high level. He can really, really help this team if he can get going. Tim Brown joins us, the Hall of Famer. Tim, going around the league, a lot of these new young quarterbacks are struggling. Trevor Lawrence went to Jacksonville, clearly as the first pick. He's struggling with Urban Meyer. Zach Wilson with the Jets got injured. Trey Lance isn't playing yet behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Where did you stand in your Hall of Fame career on these young quarterbacks? Did you always believe, let them sit, let them develop, let them see the league from the bench for the first year, or get them out there now? Because if you can see if they can play early, you can get them out on the cheap and go get other players to surround them until their rookie contracts expire. Well, I I think that, you know, if you're going to take the offense that they were successful with in college and, and implement it, uh, in your in your team with your teams, and I, I say play it. But if you are putting in a new system or you're making them learn a new system, then they they've got to sit. I mean, you you can't put these kids out there and expect that they're going to adapt so quickly and be able to um, and be able to go and, and and play the game. I mean, obviously, what what Baltimore is doing with Lamar is something totally totally different, right? And um, you know, I mean, you're not going to see many offenses running the ball as much as they are with their quarterback. So, and you know, so whatever that offense is, Trevor wasn't a running guy per se, you know, at Clemson. But you know, obviously, this offense is a little different than what he was doing. And you know, the problem with with some of these guys, especially you know, the, the guys who went through the Ohio State, the Alabamas, and the Clemson, they are so used to throwing the guys wide open. Yeah. You know, when a when a quarterback is close to a guy. They they think that guy's not you know is not open you know and they and they have to learn to throw guys open and that's a that's a totally different game for them. That's a great point. They're throwing at guys who are wide open and now they got to throw guys open. Wrapping it up with Tim Brown. Tim, you're in Dallas. Cowboys are seven and two. They got a four game lead over the Eagles, Washington, and the Giants. I mean, they run away with it. After only playing nine games, what you've seen with Dak, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and now with Pollard and uh, Zeke. They got a lot of weapons on that offense to get Dak going. Uh, what's everybody in Dallas feeling like? Are they talking Super Bowl? Do you think that's a good enough team that can go the distance, or do you see some flaws? Uh, you know, it's hard to say you see flaws, man. I mean, when they get going offensively, they're really tough to to to, to, uh, to stop, man. With Gallo being back and, um, and with the other two guys, man, I mean, CeeDee Lamb is just playing at a ridiculous level right now. Amari Cooper always flashes big in the in the game at some point, and of course you got the running game. But the guy who gets the most targets is the tight end, 
he gets more targets than anybody. So, I mean, they are really working his offense to an incredible level at this point. And um, if their defense can hold up at all, man, I mean, this should be a team that's vying there. Yeah, they're definitely talking about Super Bowl here. They, they were. I mean, the team is not, but of course, the media here is all about the Super Bowl. But the NFC is going to be tough, man. You got some really, really good football teams in the NFC, and um, you know, at this point, it looks like the NFC is a, is a front runner as far as I'm concerned to win, win the win the whole win the whole thing. As a Heisman Trophy winner, seeing Notre Dame at eight. Are you still confident because Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State are all playing each other. Oregon's got tough games in front of them. And if Georgia knocks out Alabama, Tim, and, and beats them in the championship game, Alabama's not going in. There's still an outside chance if Notre Dame runs the table, they can get into the Final Four. Yeah, you know, JT, part of me wants to see that, and another part of me don't want to see that, you know. So let's just go to a big-time bowl game, and let's have a good time, and let's just enjoy the new year coming in uh, and not be sitting there on pins and needles. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think Notre Dame is going to sneak in this thing some kind of way, man. There are too many big games left um, on on the schedule. And uh, like you said, if Alabama is a two-loss team, you know, they may be better than Notre Dame, but do you really put a two-loss team uh, in, in, the, in the playoffs? So, um, and, and quite frankly, I think if Notre Dame played Cincinnati today, they would probably beat Cincinnati, um, you know, but they played their worst game that I've seen them play in a couple of years. Um, when, they, when they took over, that doesn't take away from Cincinnati. They played an incredible game for sure, uh, but um, they don't have any tough games coming up, right? So they, they should uh, end up there. Uh, right there, but it, it'll be interesting to see what happens, man. But um, yeah, I got a feeling Notre Dame is going to sneak in there that, to that fourth spot for sure. Tim, have a great Thanksgiving with your wife and kids and whole family. Really appreciate you joining us. All right, JT, take care, both. Be good. You got it, Tim Brown, the great Tim Brown. It was awesome to see him this past weekend. Uh, he was the last one introduced before Charles, and the crowd went crazy. And Tim's back for selected home games, the alumni, and what Tim does in the community and what Tim does with the signings here. Uh, Tim Brown's always available for the Raider Nation. Thrilled that we could have him on today. Nice surprise by the Raiders alumni department for telling me that we got Tim on today. I always appreciate the opportunity to talk to the Raider legends. Bill Williamson from SB Nation will join us next. Looking forward to talking to him, getting his analysis of where this team is. As we're brought to you by Five Iron Golf, the best place to play simulated golf, hit balls, get fitted for clubs, food and drink. Head on out to Five Iron Golf at Area 15. Oh my, what a touchdown we do here for the Raiders on the first drive of the second half. Carr empties the backfield. Offensive line gives him time. Fires deep. Got it. Jackpot, baby! Edwards! Brett Mutzberger on the call. JT back with you as we continue. Raider Nation Radio brought to you by Salmon Ash Law. SalmonAshLaw.com Because you deserve what's right. If you get into an injury accident, any type of accident, call Salmon Ash. Because you deserve what's right. Bill Williamson joins us, great Raider insider for SB Nation, been covering the NFL for 25 years. And, Bill, I'll jump right in. I read your silver minings on Jonathan Abram. Must show he isn't a liability in coverage. 
I think he is. I wouldn't play him against Kansas City again, but I think he could play against Cincinnati and have a big game. How do you see it? Well, I mean, look at this guy's a starter, and I don't know if you have the luxury of picking and choosing when he plays and when he doesn't. I mean, that's going to cause some other issues. So, you know, he's going to have to figure it out. Um, and, you know, look, he's not going to be as bad as he was. You know, as he was against Kansas City every game, we think. If you look at, I think it was from uh, Pro Football Focus, he was targeted nine times and he gave up nine receptions, including two touchdowns. I think the number was 127 yards. He was obviously being picked on by Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and they didn't stop. So, when that, you, you know, every week the NFL is a copycat league. Obviously, as they dive into the tapes this week, the Cincinnati Bengals, who have a pretty capable passing game for yeah. sure, are, are, are going to see what, what what we all saw. So, you know, this is a uh, challenge game for this guy. And, you know, in the big picture, the Raiders are going to have to decide what they're going to do with his fifth-year option this offseason. You know, you do it before the players, the first-round picks, fourth season. The Raiders did Colton Miller a contract extension. Mm-hmm. He was the first 2018 player to get a contract extension. So that decision is going to be made this offseason on Jonathan Abram, and I don't know if he doesn't improve his pass coverage. I don't know if he gets that fifth year up. I agree with you. Bill Williamson's our guest, and you, we know what Jamar Chase and what they could do up top, that this could be a tough game for the Raiders' safeties, and then maybe an even tougher one on a short week Thanksgiving against Dallas because Dallas does a better job with their two-headed running backs at setting up play action, and then they got burners who can get behind coverage. So I'm happy you brought this up, Bill, because in the next, you know, six, seven days, you know, leading up in practice, the game on Sunday, then the game on Thursday, this is the biggest test of the year for the Raiders' second day, and they sure failed against Kansas City this past Sunday. Yeah, and for the team itself, after two losses, you know, we talked about the schedule getting tougher as the season went on. Well, here we are, folks, you know. That's why that Giants game really hurts because that you need to you need to beat the bad teams. Um, they did a nice job of that against the Broncos and the Eagles, um, but stumbled the toe against the Giants and then just get right with them. Um, she's had their best game of the year. So now you got Cincinnati, who is like really similar to the Raiders right now. They're in the same exact boat. They started five and two, and they they lost two in a row. They're coming off their bye. Um, so these are two. Pretty desperate teams on Sunday, and the Raiders particularly with what you just said, the Dallas game. You know, I think we all circled that Thanksgiving Day game as one of the bigger pain in the butts of the season as far as schedule-wise, and I don't think that's changed. That That's going to be a really difficult game for the Raiders to win in any circumstance. So if they go there losing three in a row at 500, really behind eight ball and a Back to AFC as far as, you know, there's 12 teams right now that have five wins or more. So if they get out of this week at 5-5, five and five, they'll get a short week at Dallas, which Thanksgiving's always a difficult play there. They're in a tough spot. So this is a this is a super crucial week for everybody to bounce back if you learn Silver and Black. Bill Williamson from SB Nation, you nailed it. You know, Bill, it's it's important to get your analysis on Darren Waller. Because it's easy to say that he's not open, but then I come right back and say you got to throw him open. That's what Mahomes yeah. does. Early in the route, Tyreek Hill is not open. Travis Kelsey is not open. Uh, defensive coordinators are scheming those guys good 
but then Mahomes extends the pocket better than Carr, and then he leads these guys and throws them open. Isn't that what has to happen with Waller? What else is there left to analyze with a guy who was a beast last year and only has two touchdowns this year? How do they get him open and more targets? Yeah, you know, I don't have any. I don't have any magic answers there. They just have to. I, I have a better word. Just realize this is your best guy, and, and you, you got to get him the ball. And look, they tried. They, set, they had seven targets for him against Kansas City. That's not a, a ton, but it's reasonable. But you know, the four the four catches for twenty four yards. That that was the issue. That was, and, and, and give the Chiefs credit. They 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 played him well. Um, you know, it might be a situation where. Nobody else really scares them on this, you know, on this team consistently. Brian Edwards obviously has the ability, but we know if we look at his games, it's very up and down, very inconsistent. Um, um, he had he had a nice game on Sunday, but he didn't have a catch. I think he had one target last week. So they're all going to have to figure things out. I think it starts with, you know, for the rest of the season, it's obvious starts with Olsen and Carr. And they're just they're just going to have to figure it out and, and really focus on getting because when Darren Waller is getting a lot of targets and he's getting it done and he usually does his part right if he's getting the targets he usually comes through and then if you can get Jacobs going that's how they won so many games last year with those two guys that's where it started and that really hasn't taken place this year. That's for sure. It's a big game. I think it's a must-win. It's as big of a must-win as we've seen since the Raiders have moved to Las Vegas. Bill, talk to you soon. Thanks for the time today. I always appreciate you. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, JT. You too, Bill. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. If anybody's getting out of town next week, we'll be here all week here for you on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. And Bill makes a good point. You know, the answer is Bill's been doing this 25 years, been covering the Raiders as good as anybody. You just got to find a way to keep going back to Waller and hope that Waller can pull the team out, that he can get the team going with a 10 reception game for 160 yards, two touchdowns, and that can happen. That should be able to happen against the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati is a team, you know, their past defense, they're, they're good. They're giving up 22.6. The Raiders are giving up a little bit more. But this is a team that gives up chunk plays, just like the Raiders. You want to talk about... Two similar teams. Oh, my God. These teams are in the same exact boat. They, they, you know, this team, they have the same exact record. They're in the same exact position. They're in the middle of their division where everybody's clunked together. And you win one game, you can go to first place. You lose one game, you go to last place. And both teams have lost two in a row. So everything looks the same with these two teams. Uh, the media is giving Cincinnati a little bit of an advantage, and so is Vegas. Uh, Vegas, the moving lines here, have Cincinnati across the board minus one. Line opened up, pick them at 48.5. Now it's Cincinnati minus one, and the total on the game is 49.5. Again, I have gamblers on the show. I don't give out a lot of gambling advice because I'm not a gambler. I bet $5 less than most gamblers. Most of them bet 5 bucks and tell you that they're sharp. I bet none, but I would throw some money down on the Raiders this weekend. What else you got to lose? You're getting a point at home and a must win. If you're a Raider fan, it's a good week to catch a ticket in the hopes that they pull out of this. (laughs) 